think that's where a lot of people go go bad with a pup. They throw them in a pen and just throw feed to them every day. And to me, you got to make a connection with them. Some guys don't agree with me on that, but I think you got to have a good bond with a dog. real simple I think with a pup and a lot of people don't understand it. When a pup is ready to start, it will start. You can't force a pup to start and you can't force a pup to treat. It has to do it on its own. the Stark Outdoors podcast. I'm your host Clayton Stark. In today's episode of the podcast, I was sat down with Jason and Danny Doobie, the people that just bought Full Cry magazine. I just wanted to first thank them for taking over and keeping this magazine alive. And the first issue of this magazine will actually be in October. And if you're hearing this before September 1st, make sure you get your subscriptions in. If you want to subscribe to this magazine, make sure you go to their Full Cry magazine website. You can also check out their Facebook and Instagram pages. And I'll actually be a writer for this magazine. So if you like my photography and want to see some stories that aren't really shown other places and see some of my writing, make sure you get a subscription through them because I'll be one of their writers and I'm really looking forward to seeing it. And I don't get paid for this. This is just something I'm doing because I really want to see these magazines stick around. Like a lot of you out there, I was really sad to see the American Cooner and full cry magazines go away but i'm really glad that they're keeping one of them so just another big thank you to jason and danny for keeping this around because it had a really big impact on my life looking at the pictures and reading it when i was a kid and i'm sure it can still have that big impact later on and i thank you for listening and a big thank you to everyone out there on patreon i appreciate your support but i won't hold you guys up any longer here's today's podcast do you want to start off by introducing yourself yeah the two-year-old might do it too because i hear him walking <laughs> We tried to fill him up with snacks and Clifford the Big Red Dog, but uh, it appears that that's not good enough. He's on his way in. Yeah, that's I understand. That's You'll learn real quick with us, like there's usually a child or a dog that's mucking something up. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I put my dogs up and my kids, they nap at the same time pretty much every day. Luckily. How old are your kids? Uh, my son is four. My next, the middle daughter is... Just turned two, and the youngest daughter's four months. Oh, wow. You got a, a gaggle of them, too, it, huh? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we have, we have four, so we can get rid of the two older ones, but the younger ones, everyone's like, no, you did this to yourself. You keep those ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my son just started preschool this last week, so he's he's his schedule's pretty set now. We got him yeah. kind of used to it, and he's getting into a good schedule. He's, he gets done at 11, so usually right around 12, he's out. And come home and take a nap. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much. Come home, eat some macaroni and cheese, and go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, jealous. Anyways, jealous of him he, sometimes. Right? Living the best life. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we put him back. We're both back here now. Sorry about Hopefully. that. Oh, it's no big deal. Uh, I'm with Jason and his wife, Danny. Um, just want to, Jason, I guess you can start first. Tell us kind of who you are, where you're from and stuff and get to know you a little bit. Yeah, you bet. I, um, we're out of Oregon, the state. So we, uh, we've been involved in hounds for quite a while now. 
we started off running uh, down in California when we could still run bears. And we chased bears around with a good group of buddies of ours. Unfortunately, it, it got outlawed in 2012 before uh, before I could really have dogs that were worth anything. <laughs> you, know, you know, they were all like early on training ages. And yeah. is one of those things where we just tagged along a lot. We did a bunch of hunting down there and then we got into some blue ticks and did some showing and did really well in the AKC confirmation ring. And, you know, dogs just kind of took over our life on, I had a a back injury working for a a car dealership that kind of ended a career there. So I had already started plum tree hound supply as a, a side gig so that buddies and I could get good deals on stuff basically is how it started. (laughs) And then, you know, all of a sudden one accident and I was down for, I'm going to say two years. I mean, pretty down and didn't do much hunting at all. I got lucky and had a buddy, Kim Ray, that I'll, I'll be honest, he had a Dewey, so he couldn't drive and I had a back injury, so I couldn't hike. So we spent a lot of hours in a truck together, you know, we, uh, we had a great time for several years and did a lot of hunting together. And then, you know, it was just one of those things that we lost our, our bear hunting. So we switched over to varmint dogs and, and running gray fox and bobcats. And in the meantime, you know, I, I ended up selling my company and went on to W Hunting Supply as their field rep and now customer relations director. Okay. So we've... I've been involved in the hounds for quite a while. And at this point, it's pretty much every aspect between work and fun. It's, Mm -hmm. it's all pretty much in Steve's words, gone to the dogs, (laughs) you know, there's, there's not much else in our life other than kids and family and and dogs anymore. Yeah. You don't need anything else. Anything else will just probably add more stress. (laughs) Yeah. That's what we're learning, man. Small circles and tight ships. It makes life a lot easier. Yep. Yeah, that's kind of how we got involved. You know, we've been, we've just been doing whatever we can. And, you know, now Bull Cry Magazine, with that whole thing coming up for sale, it's been, um, it's been a whirlwind, wouldn't you say, honey? Yeah, it's been not really what we expected we were going to grow up and do, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we'll, we'll talk more about that in a little bit, but I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> that that's Casey if anybody's wondering <laughs> see they've all heard my older boys on the podcast that's the next up and comer right okay there. I was just gonna say I'm glad someone stepped up and is keeping it going because that those magazines really influenced me a lot just growing up and I, my, my whole family hunted forever with dogs so I, I was around it anyways but just the visual aspect of seeing the pictures and having something physical in your hands to read and look at <laughs> I think is important because like, like for little kids, if they can't read, they're still good pictures to kind of pique their interest. And I know I had to have some of an impact on me based off what I'm doing with my life now. So just thinking of the the people that the magazine reached back then, like it could still do that today with newer generations and the older generations like it too, because they, that's what they've had their whole life. And if it's done right, where it's a more modern take on an old tradition where it's interesting and there's people are way more invested in the media landscape than they used to be 
I think we've right. came a long ways. So it's, I'm glad you guys took it over and you're keeping it going. Cause there's, there's definitely a lot of interest in it and it keeps people interested and involved. Yeah. I was looking at some of these old, like 1980s magazines and they used to put the distribution on it and they had like reach of 40,000 copies that they'd send out. And I'm like, that's crazy. Those mm-hmm. were big numbers back then. Now we have social media. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. Uh, like it's a weird, it's a weird time. And I told Danny and I've told a bunch of buddies this, I don't like sometimes timing is everything, you know, it's, it's been a lot of years since most people would consider full cries heyday, you know, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, looking at the times we're in now, it's like, I am, I'm an old soul. I, I mean, I always have been, I grew up playing rhythm and blues and it was always hot rods and records. You know, I've just had a love for all things a yesteryear. Mm-hmm. And I just think that right now is a very unique time, especially in the print magazine world, because, you know, everybody will tell you it's dying that doesn't want to spend the money advertising in it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it. It's a very expensive place to do your advertising. And, you know, people are so bombarded with day to day. I mean, you get 500,000 updates on your socials every oh, day, yeah. but it's like one of those things where what's old is new and what's new is exciting. So it's kind of like one of those things. I don't think 15 years ago, this would have worked even 10 years ago. But with Danny's vision and, and what we're going to be doing as far as blending the old with the new, it's just we're really thankful and feel blessed that this was a great opportunity that came up in an inopportune time. And we just had to open our hearts up and and really we felt led to do this. And it's turning out to be something awesome, especially the outreach. Like you said, people people learn to read on it it'll make your heart stop i will tell you when your kid picks up an early issue of full cry like i had a two-year-old toting around a 1941 issue yeah and it's like holy crap give me that before you break it yeah i will say when i was a kid that i never got into like because we have some back in the 30s and like old cooners like dad has gotten every magazine like my grandpa even had like so we have boxes and boxes of them and i know when i was a kid i'm sure it was like the early to mid nineties of the Cooner and bloodlines, I would like take markers and crayons and color in them and stuff. And oh, yeah. I know I just, I don't even want to know what I like. I'm sure the early and mid nineties ones, I'm missing some because I'm sure I just butchered them, <laughs> but, but you'll have that. Yeah. Um, that's, it's crazy though, but it's like, what are you going to do that, that right now? Our kids life is consumed with magazines. Like if it's not W hunting supply, it's magazines. They're just <laughs> fired up. And I don't, I don't know if they're understanding cause they're seven and five. Mm-hmm. I think they're starting to get it, but like they're slowly grasping the gravity of it as much as a kid can. That right. this is like, this is a part of our history. When I hand them it, you know, I'm showing them a 1939, volume one issue one and i'm like guys this is the first hound dog magazine mm-hmm. like this is this is it really that one and it's like yes this one and that you know 
uh, they couldn't get me to read anything when I was a kid, but grandpa would have this. And that's the only thing I read. I learned to read on full crime magazine. I'm like, there's an entire <laughs> generation of men in the South. that O.L. Beckham was like, they're hooked on. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is true. And what's neat about those magazines too, back then is like the competition hunting wasn't like everything back then. So you, right. there was articles and so many like just like little pictures like just small right. pictures with like individual stories so like there's i mean to me that's interesting you can go back and look throughout the years and there's people that you've never heard of or dogs that have been gone for 60 70 years but you can look back and it, it is it's interesting it's neat to see the pictures and it's it's good historical data and that i mean if we lose the magazines and if we don't keep supporting that it's just going to go away because when social media really picked up, like that part of history will be preserved from then on. But the stuff from like sure. the late 2010s before that, like a lot of that wasn't documented on social media. So like that, that's all we have is the magazines. Right. And it's in a limited group. I mean, the hound culture is such a cult culture that it's, um, it's funny, you know, like I go back to those brave books that I found, like those were considered lost and just gone. Like nobody could find them. I paid, what did I pay for that one? 400 bucks. It was ridiculous. <laughs> you know, just to get one. You paid $400 for a book? <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> I mean, $4. <laughs> it was a series. There was I went, multiple. <laughs> I went through a streak. I'm kind of a book snob. Like I'm all about hound literature. So this really fell into place because like yeah. I will... I will spend stupid money on hound books if I have it. <laughs> but, you know, then all of a sudden you just do a little digging and three phone calls later, like I'm buying cases of them because they've been sitting in a storage unit for 40 years or 30 years. Mm -hmm. And they had no idea. Like they didn't realize it was a cult classic. And, you know, that's kind of how I feel full cry is. I'll tell you the movement behind it and the people and the support lately is just, it's humbling, man, like extremely humbling. And it's some of these stories are heart wrenching that you hear like what that one lady, her dad was in a coma for three months. And, you know, she just said the only time he relaxed is if we read. So I'd bring his full cries in and just read to him in a coma, you know, and all these stories of guys learning to read. And it, I think the big success in that is like the early full cry is I'm learning going back through all these they were like you said, they're stories, mm -hmm. like they're things that we can all relate to, whether we're chasing bears or coons or fox or, or whatever, you know, the right. relation to what's happening and the emotion that came through was really like, that's what we're trying to get back to. Yeah, There's going to be editorial pieces and there's going to be interviews and there's going to be updates. But really the heart of it is these reader submissions. And Danny, I haven't even read them. I'm going to have to read our magazine just so I know what's in it. Because <laughs> she's been like hammering this out. And a lot of it is just stories. Yeah. And they're and they're really good. Well, I mean, and I think about like when you go on a, a hunting trip, like you all get around the campfire and you listen to the stories of remember back then when we were on that road and this dog did that and blah, blah, blah. And those are like, I want that feel. I want that like you're settling down in front of a fire with a cup of coffee feel when you're reading some of these. Yeah. I that's per, I love hearing that because that's, 
that's what I try and do with what I do. And I do go with a lot of people that competition hunt, but it's just, it's pleasure hunting. It's, that's all I, I've probably been in four or five casts in my life where I participated. I, if competition hunts didn't exist, I would still hunt four or five nights a week. Like I, that has been like one of the biggest parts of my life since I can remember. So that to me, that that's if, especially if you're going to have a magazine nowadays, that's how you're going to get people interested because with social media, if you just want to see a picture of a dog on a bench with a trophy and know who won, you're going to know that immediately. And I mean, that's, so that's where that's going to be taken. I mean, you, you can still put that in the magazine and talk about it, but this, this, this 10,000 pictures. <laughs> yeah. But like the, the story of like what happened is where it's at. Like not just, Oh, here's the winner. Here's like the story behind the people and the dogs and like all the memories being made. Like that's to me, that's what is going to keep people interested or grow. And I think, with like the the magazines that did go away woke people up a little bit like if if we don't do something and support like parts of our culture that we don't think it's just going to go away so i mean if right. you, if you want to keep this stuff around you got to support it like if you want hound hunting to stay around you have to support it if you have a business advertise in the magazines like just support one another if you if you need something and someone that has any sort of business that hound hunts or they sell hound hunting supplies, even if it's more expensive, just go through them and support them. Because right. if you don't, it, we're not going to have it anymore. No, and that's that's the big thing. I mean, everybody wants to talk a big game, but when it comes down to putting your money where your mouth is, I mean, we I know Danny and I, we've made a lot of sacrifices and we've spent a lot of extra money to do business where we want to do business. I mean, and I'm not saying that as part owner in a magazine and an owner of a hound supplier. I'm not trying to like sales pitch that, but in general, like when we go buy our feed, I will tell you there is a major chain store here in town that I, I do usually buy feed from or did, but when you show up at the County fair and there's not a single animal bought by that company, I'll tell you what, you'll never get a dime of my money again. As far as feed, like we're going to go to the people that were supporting our youth and our programs. And, and it's the same with the hounds. I mean, I'll say the podcast world is a really good example of that though. I mean, think about how much this is all blown up. And I think a lot of us, I, I, even a majority have taken the stance of the rising tide raises all ships. You know, we're right. all there to help each other and we're all there to support each other. And it's created this really cool community within us too. So I, I'm with you. I mean, same with the socials, the YouTube channels and all that. It's, it's all different forms of media and the ones that are doing a good job and, and putting us out there in a way we should be seen and not the picture. Some people want to paint. I mean, we need to support all of that. Right. Cause I mean, it's, it's not a huge culture, but I've told a lot of people and I think that if you love dogs and you like being around dogs, if you get to see a dog go do what it's bred to do and see how good of a time it has and how much fun it has, you're at least going to be open to it. If not fall in love with it. Exactly. And that's our, I think our goal is hopefully this magazine, it'll start reaching the fringe. You know, yes, we all want to read it because we're in this. 
but if we can get to a point where this is hitting that fringe market and the ones that are you know they're going to be supporting us in the ballot box and when it comes to supporting hunting even my own kids i say it all the time i don't care if they if they hunt when they get older but they are going to grow up with a respect for it and they're going to always remember those times i i know that so i mean that's the, that's the big thing is if we can all unite then we can start grab you know gravity's going to pull these guys in and it's pretty hard to not enjoy seeing a working dog well yeah and i think if you are a a dog person in any way like you might be a coon hunter i might be a bear hunter but we can all appreciate a dog that's purpose bred and what it does and so like for me even you know bird hunting or some of these terriers that go you know when they're working anything like that i can appreciate what they're doing and why they're doing it i mean it may not be my thing quote unquote but i i can still really enjoy going and watching that and seeing how they train versus we train and how those dogs their natural instincts are developed and things like that so Mm -hmm. and that kind of goes along with just regionally where you grew up like I don't bear hunt at all because bears don't live where I live. But if there were bear here, I guarantee you I would bear hunt. So, I mean, that's just, it's dogs are bred and people have a certain way of hunting and it has a lot to do with where they live too. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's very relatable. You can go, I've traveled all over the country these past few years and it, it, it doesn't matter who they are, what, what were, if it's squirrel coon or whatever it is, it, like, if they are into dogs, I can relate to them and talk to them pretty well. And they're just the same. And I can tell you how I got started in dogs. I mean, way before I ever owned one was my memories of my great uncle Jim back in Michigan. You know, we'd go back and visit with my dad every couple of years, go spend a week. And man, there was always a Brittany or a lab or a beagle. You know, there was always a squirrel dog kicking around somewhere. And it just <laughs> provoked that. I don't know. Yeah, it was like it was the untouchable for me at the time because in my family, like we didn't have that. We big game hunted and we did, you know, deer and elk and and we spot and stock bear and things like that. But you know, it just kind of created this burning flame inside, and all of a sudden, you know, at twenty, I guess I was twenty when we got into it. Then it just like it was like the last of the cycle and now it's been just a never ending last step as as we keep going yeah i mean and i started in dogs when i was in like fourth grade my parents got into they actually got into saint bernard's and so you would do like weight weight pole competitions Mm -hmm. because they were originally bred like to move carts and to rescue people up in the alps and Mm -hmm. um you know so that's where i really started in dogs 20 saint bernard's you can feed a whole lot of hound dogs for what that takes let me tell (laughs) you you said i could make it out you said it you want to get back to hunting but it's been too hot oh what's the how hot has it been out there oh we had a week over 100 yeah that's and we're still high 90s yeah today it's it cooled off into the upper 80s it's been around 100 and humid here too so that's i haven't been we we don't get that humid but like right now we got smoke i mean you can't see oh jeez hardly at all with all these fires burning yeah that's (laughs) never we never have to deal with that here but a couple months ago those fires in canada it made it pretty smoky here surprisingly 
Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt it, man. That was pretty wild stuff going on up there. Mm-hmm. Every year we joke. It's like we give our friends a bad time living in Tornado Alley. And, you know, they live in the flooding. And they're like, well, you guys put up with the fires every year. So you're no better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only thing we have here is just snow. And that it's nothing that bad. We'll get a snowstorm that will have 8 to 12 inches once or twice a year. And it gets pretty cold. It'll get below zero, but that that's about it. Sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've learned this about me. I'm not a snow fan. <laughs> I I don't mind it because no one else is either. So then I have all the woods completely to myself. <laughs> right. Only thing is coons don't usually move too good during that either. <laughs> yeah. You get a lot of layups out there yeah. in the wintertime. Yeah. Layups quite a bit. You have to have a have to have a dog with a good nose, that's for sure. So that was that was my detriment actually when we were competition hunting, and we haven't done a lot of it. There's only one. Well, there were two clubs here on the west coast. Sorry, <laughs> there's, there's two clubs. There was one down out of like Oregon House, Northern California, and then there's the Mary's Peak Hound Club up in like Corvallis, Monmouth area. And we would travel, I mean, it was a minimum of a five-hour drive to hunt. And it got to the point they were all mini slams. And even at that, we could only get two dogs to go on a cast sometimes. Yeah. So it was really hard to, like, A, get a title on a dog. Mm -hmm. But I did get to learn a lot about it in a pretty awesome atmosphere with a a really tight-knit group of guys. I bet. So, but a lot of those... Hey, I had two things working against me. One dog had a horrible mouth. We all joke about it. In fact, my buddy says, I'd call that thing right now. Like, you get him <laughs> out of your kennel. You don't be breeding that. Go get him to somebody that'll hunt him, and and you need to move on your breeding program. But You take him to field trials, and he'd look so pretty, and he'd jump up on that tree, and he looked like he should be on the cover of Full Cry. And then he'd open his mouth, and everybody would just kind of look around like, <laughs> what? what What? was that? Yeah, it's like Mike Tyson, you know? <laughs> Yeah, he'd come in and he'd hammer and he was just one of those dogs that it would get quieter the harder he tried like he had barked out early on it seemed like Hmm. and uh you know that was a real challenge so he never got his title even though he was the better dog by far he never got a title and then we got a night championship on one of his sons but god dang their their big one was there was layups they were gonna find it Mm-hmm. And, and they translated that into like our last year of bear hunting and on into the varmint dogs when they were striking a track they weren't necessarily striking a track they were striking an animal and if they had to go two three hundred yards to find it they would and and get it going and i think that played a lot i mean that's the same kind of instinct they'd just be running through and pull up treed on a den tree or you know lay up or whatever and and they did that time and time and which i don't know when you're learning the rules and how things work that's an interesting situation to be in you're like how do you call this what i don't know what i'm doing striking tree at the same time (laughs) yeah i learned that after i got beat the first time but (laughs) nobody tells you before oh no no they'll they'll help you out once the time's expired (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, we did have some good guys there, Travis and, and D-Pal. Like, we had some good group of guys up there. And it was uh, it was always fun. But, man, it, it's different out here on the West Coast. So, we, 
I mean, really the field trials are, are our big get togethers. That's where you see people and, you know, you just kind of make the pilgrimages. We all go to Elk Creek every year. That's the big one. And OUSDA. And I try to hit Idaho and some of these other field trials because that's, that's kind of the lifeblood of the, the houndsmen out here as far as where we see each other and, and get a chance to swap dogs and, and stuff like that. Speaking of that, Autumn Oaks is coming up. Do you have, I think you, some people are going to be there for you or what's going on with that? Uh, yeah. So Ben Sheets has got um, a booth with Tree Talk and Media and he's got our um, subscription forms there and he's got some stickers and um, he, he's covering for us because because <laughs> we can't make it. We can't get there from Oregon that quick. <laughs> yeah, that's, that would be a long trip. Special and, kids. And just, so, oh yeah, the kids aren't coming. No, that's a mom dad trip. <laughs> yeah, we, that's what we've been talking about. Even trying to get to a, uh, Grand America, and next year Oaks is definitely on the list. But Ben will have some. He'll have our subscription forms. He'll be taking those there. He's got some cool stickers. And anybody that gets a sticker at Oaks, you're getting them before we do. We <laughs> don't even have one. We yeah, just we... had them shipped straight to Ben. <laughs> yeah. Well. You know what they look like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they look cool. So if somebody wants to send me one, I would like one too. Yeah. I do like the way they look. I already planned <laughs> on getting one for my dog box. Well, you go tell them we told them to give you an extra one. You got to have one to level. <laughs> yeah. All right. That, speaking of those events too, it kind of reminded me of something I was going to say. We were talking earlier about like supporting the magazines and supporting the stuff that we want to stay around. I see a lot of people talk about how like a lot of these events don't have as many people attend as they used to. There's still a lot of people to go, but they, it's just nothing like it used to be. And I just, I wish instead of people talking and saying stuff like that, they would go invite people, tell people about it. If, if you really want to see these events grow or return to, what they were back in the early nineties or mid nineties around that era, then just make the trip and go <laughs> tell people about it, get the word out. If you got kids, take them to it. That's why oh, I God. go to the events is autumn Oaks. I go to that every year because when I've been going there, I'm 33 now and I've probably been there for 30 years in a row now with right. my dad and family, just stuff like that. Like if, if you take them, it's fun. It's a good time. It's a, like a mini vacation and, if you right. if you need to buy something, there's at, at like Autumn Oaks. <laughs> every single business that you would want to support will have stuff there for sale. And if <laughs> if you need it, it will be there for sale, and you can buy it. Right? Yeah. Flea market. It's awesome to go through. I mean, for me, it's that was the first big hunt I went to Autumn Oaks, and I met a lot of great people there, and made a lot of great relationships that have lasted years now. And it's hard, like, and I do a lot of, what is the deal as far as, like, attendance dropping and this and that? And I think, you know, I, I think unintentionally, we've isolated our own groups, you know, and, and I just talked about this the other day with Josh over at Joy, you know, it seems like there's this rift between the big game and the coon hunters and the varmint hunters and and the competition guys and the pleasure guys yeah. and the, like we all want to compartmentalize ourselves and and i think by doing that and social media being 
like it's a great tool but with every great tool there's good responsibility too right Mm -hmm. like if you don't use something right things can go really bad and i feel bad harping on these guys that you know might be putting things up that aren't desirable but maybe they don't know better like to be honest with you in the social media world, it's I would say that the encouragement versus uh, discouragement ratio is a lot different. I can guarantee you different than the pages of full Christ. Mm-hmm. Like we have no interest in anything that's going to downplay any houndsman, any dogman. This is a gathering place for all of us. And it's supposed to remind us of our past and remind us of what we're doing and how we are that next step. And it's a weird transitional time right now. You know, look at you. Like, all of us. I mean, we're 37. You said you're 33. Yeah. Like, there's... Did you weird... just tell my age out? I don't no, I said my age. Yeah, that's his age. His age. <laughs> my age. I think we he said you're, you're together, 23 is what he said. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's like there's this weird group of us that we really do hold this sport near and dear to our hearts. And we're at an age and a point in our lives where we understand the responsibility. Like this is shifting to a huge responsibility, not just for us to have a successful business, but to be successful in promoting our traditions and our ways of life and our dogs and, and just really start rewriting the narrative, which like, I I know it's more effective here on the West coast. You guys are going to have a hard time losing coon hunting, you know, like it's a different culture, but, yeah. You're talking about these guys in Maine when they were fighting to keep their bear hunting or, you know, when California lost it, lion hunting in Arizona. Like, there's a lot going on right now, and we need to showcase the things that are going to help us, mm-hmm. and that's the main goal. Well, I mean, and I think that splitting everybody can even be put down between the old guys and the new guys, and um, there, I feel like there's a lot of judgment sometimes from the older generation on how the younger generation uh, is is yeah. puts things out and then there's a lot of judgment vice versa of the younger generation saying well you're not even giving us a chance mm-hmm. you know you're stuck in your ways and so I, that's been a big shift for me as I've been bringing in writers for Full Cry is that I almost feel like it's a duty now to bring this younger generation into the next step like they these we sit and judge people that put things on social media and we're like, well, why would they, they, but that's the only outlet they've been given. Like they've not been given anywhere else to put things. So, um, you know, for me, let's give them a platform to talk also mm-hmm. and let them establish themselves in the magazine. So I, you're going to see a lot of younger writers in there than there have been the last few years, <laughs> few years, few. probably yeah. several years. Yeah. I put that in my letter from the editor. I'm like, guys, you got to give them a chance or else it will die. Is pretty much what it says. (laughs) I hope you guys are enjoying this podcast. And this podcast wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for my sponsors and also the people on Patreon. So I just want to take a brief moment here to thank them. And if you're unfamiliar with Patreon, Patreon is a social media service. It's kind of like Facebook where you get a feed and you can view people's profiles. And I make exclusive content on there, videos, live videos, photography, and just updates. And if you want to reach me and communicate with me, you can do so on there. If you want early access to the podcast and early access to my videos, make sure you go check out my Patreon page. And if you're interested in joining my Patreon, 
You can go to www.patreon.com slash starkoutdoors, or you can download the Patreon app and search Stark Outdoors, and you can be a subscriber on there. Another thing I do on there that I've started recently doing is you can go live on there, and you can actually invite people to go live with you. So if you ever wanted to go hunting with me, but we can't because we live so far apart, or if you have dogs of your own that you want to showcase, if you're a subscriber on Patreon, you can go live with me on there and we can go hunting together. And for all the new people on there and the longtime supporters on there, I just want to say thank you. Without you, this wouldn't be possible. If you're looking for some high-quality hound and hunting gear, go to Conkey's Outdoors Hound and Hunting Supply. Fall's right around the corner. If you need some new clothing, hoodies, t-shirts, hats, just about anything you could need, go to Coondog Wear. They have some great clothes, and they're always adding new stuff. So if you're interested in some high-quality clothing, go to coondogwear.com. For high-quality kennel doors, go to gundoghousedoor.com. If you're looking for some new coon hunting equipment, you can go to coonhuntersupply.com to get your razor hunting gear. If you're in the market for a new tracking system, you can check out Dogtra with the Dogtra Pathfinder and the Dogtra Pathfinder 2. I've used Dogtra tracking collars now for three years, and I don't see myself using anything else. They work great, very convenient, and if you follow me for any amount of time, you know I really care about my dogs and their safety because they're not just dogs to me, they're members of the family. So if you want to put something on them you trust and know that'll work, I encourage you to check out Dogtra tracking systems. And if you're thinking about buying from Dogtra, you can use discount code STARK5 to save some money with your purchase. A lot of people ask me what light I use when I go hunting, and the light I use is the Big Dog Blitz. I have the Big Dog Genesis, the Big Dog Genesis Plus, and they're just coming out with a new Big Dog just in time for Autumn Oaks. So those are the lights that I use, and I've used Big Dog Lights for about 13 years now. And the original Big Dog Genesis I bought about 13 years ago at Autumn Oaks, it still actually works, and that's the light my son uses when we go hunting. So if you're looking for a new light, I encourage you to check those out because they've never let me down, and I really like their product. And if you're going to buy a Big Dog light, you can use code STARK10 to save some money with your purchase as well. If you drive a diesel pickup truck, you know maintenance can be kind of expensive if you don't do it yourself. And if you do your maintenance yourself, you can check out Doc's Diesel. They sell filter maintenance kits shipped directly to your door. So if you drive a diesel truck and you can check out some of their oil or filters or any of their products... Go to DocsDiesel.com and you can use code Stark Tens to save some money with your purchase on there. I'd like to thank Bayou Legacy Game Calls with the Tree Shaker Coon Squalor. I've used this squalor for about three years. All original, still works great, makes them look every time. Another hunting supply company you can check out is Treacle Creek Kennels and Hunting Supply. So if you need some more coon hunting equipment, you can check those guys out too. If you're in the market for a really loud, accurate pup and you've got a nice female and you're looking for a stud to breed to, I would check out World Champion, Grand Knight Champion, Platinum Champion, Davis's Rosedale Frogger. And Frogger's owned by Birchall Davis. He's located in Northwest Ohio. Another high-quality stud dog you can check out is PKC Gold Champion, UKC Dual Grand Champion, Buck Creek Croson. And Croson's owned by Chuck Dunlap, and Chuck's located in Frasiesburg, Ohio. If you're interested in raising some blue tick pups and you need a blue tick stud, you can check out Dual Grand Champion, PKC Silver Champion, Brockman's Blue Buzz. Our next stud dog is Project Apollo. Many of you have heard of Apollo. He was a 2020 Autumn Oaks winner, National Grand Knight winner. He's a three-time Platinum Pro Sport champion, two-times Platinum champion. Won way more than that, but that's just a few of his big accomplishments. He is owned by Will BK Keeling. So if you have a nice female you're looking to breed and get some good walker pups, I'd check him out. If you don't have a female, but you're looking for pups, high-quality pups that have a long history and lineage of winning over the years, I encourage you to check out Smith's Lone Pine Kennels. A lot of you have heard of them, and if you haven't heard of them, make sure you go to my YouTube channel and look up Randy Smith Lone Pine Kennels, because Randy has some of the best females in the country, and that'd be a great place to get a pup. So once again, just a big thank you to everyone that makes this possible and now we'll get back to the interview you got to get the youth involved in all of it they it's such a huge part of it growing up that was just what i did my whole life the aspect of getting involved 
like that's one of my biggest things I want to do is reach out to new people and try and figure out the best way to get, I I don't care if they're 70 years old or a little kid, just it's, it's been so much happiness and so many great memories over the year that I, I would feel bad if I didn't try and get as many people involved as I could, because it's such a great family tradition that you can just take your kids out and go have a good time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things like I wish I would have known my family was in hounds when I was a kid. You know, I had no idea until I had already gotten into dogs. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, your uncle here and your grandpa here. And it's like, well, where were you guys when I was like a little kid and fired up? Like, all I wanted to do was go see the hunting dogs out back. Like, I wasn't even able to go into the kennel, you know, and yeah. it was just like spread that spark. And I mean, I've transitioned that into my own kids. Like, Colin still thinks it's great to pick up dog poop. Like, that's his greatest <laughs> job. That's how he gets to be involved in you know getting them out hunting and i love the fact when we go hunting with my buddy brandon you know it's him and his wife and me and danny and and all our kids and they've got three kids and it's just like this big kid parade through the woods and like you know that birthday cat that we took the boys out for connor's birthday you know it was so great because when we got there they asked like are we gonna shoot it and we said no we're not gonna shoot this one we know this cat he's one of the last few kind of hanging out in here and it's the last week of season or last month. Like we're, we're not going to shoot it. We're going to leave it. And there was not one argument, not one whining from all these. I mean, all these kids there, they were just as happy to go and still talk about that hunt. And there was nothing killed. There was not, you know, it's, it's wild that that's the kind of impressions that get left. We're in the rest of the hunting world. Like when I take my kids deer hunting, if we don't kill a deer, like, yeah, we had a good time, but you missed the goal. Well, yeah. Where was the dog? Yeah. Different. Yeah. You, that's another, it's such a great thing because you can get the kids involved in the outdoors. It's great, healthy activity. Anyone can do it. It's outside. You can do it. Like here, you can do it year round. If you, if you want to go when it's hot, cold, whatever you can just oh it's there's always something to do you can take an old dog out you can take a young dog out there's just so many different things you can do to get them involved with it and that's what the the biggest thing i see that people that aren't familiar with it they don't understand is it has absolutely nothing to do with killing what's in the tree like hate comments i get is like oh you have to have a a dog to find a raccoon no believe me if I wanted to just go kill raccoons where I live. I can just walk through the woods and I could get like 20 or 30 a night. I, if that was what I wanted to do, I wouldn't There's waste. There's more efficient ways yeah, if you want to kill stuff. I would not spend hours every week away from my family watching a dog, like a puppy, just stand in the woods and look at me, waiting on it just to mature and develop to where it starts, its instincts start kicking in. Like, <laughs> I, There's so much work and frustration involved with starting dogs on your own and raising them from puppies and getting them to do what they're bred to do efficiently the way you want. It's like, if all you care about is it's, I mean, it's the same thing with big game hunting and deer hunting and stuff. If all you care about is the moment you pull the trigger, you're not going to stick around with it because most of the time you spend out there, you're not killing stuff. You're, you're waiting, you're learning 
it's the it's the process and it's the people you're with and to go back to what you said about like deer hunting i mean that it's great to get kids involved with stuff like that but once again you just you have to sit still and be quiet and you're just looking at the same thing over and over and over again and unless you have like a manicured deer farm where there's just deer everywhere <laughs> for them to look at like it's a zoo most kids at a young age they're not going to be super interested in that so no if, but you take a dog to the woods and you can talk and you can like when I take my son to the woods, we'll go walk. And if I find somewhere where there's been water laying and there's tracks, I'll teach him, okay, this is deer tracks. This is turkey tracks. This is, this is a hickory nut. This is an acorn. You can go out and you can show them actual woodsmanship skills. And honestly, it makes you like, for me, it makes me a better deer hunter too, because I'm actually out in the woods scouting, looking at stuff. So, I mean, it's just, there's so many benefits of getting out there all the time. I mean, it, it keeps me sane. Oh, yeah. It keeps me happy. It's great, great family activity. There's if, and that's what I really hope happens in the next 20 years is with the, with social media and all the digital media reaching such large amounts of people that they see it for what it really is, because that's, it, there's just mm-hmm. a huge misconception behind people that. Oh, we, we're just lazy. We have to have dogs hunt for. It's like no, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, lazy. If you were gonna go spotlight them coons, let me ask you right now: Would you walk the same path you're walking to a dog? <laughs> yeah. I guarantee not. On your hands and knees through a briar patch, three miles, and then wading through waist deep water, or right. going out in December, well, you, like you yeah, have, right? <laughs> you hit it on the head, man. Like when it comes to like, okay, as a, as a hunter, as an outdoorsman, as a dad, like the kids have made me a better sportsman and like the, i'll say the one thing i regret at this age in my life is i'm not a better woodsman than i am like i can run dogs i enjoy it we deer and elk hunt you know we turkey hunt we do pretty much 12 months a year if there's something to be yeah. pursuing or catching in the river or or something but like you said you know you're pointing these things out because it's all the things that is hard-earned knowledge for us like we've learned that and we want to help them out Mm-hmm. to the point like now i mean we go up heck we went up the other night just to go kind of check out a bear hunting spot that i thought had burned up and there's a big dust bowl in the road and, and all of a sudden the kids just jump out and i didn't say a word but they're like dad there's a bobcat track right there <laughs> and i look and i'm like my god there is a bobcat track oh right gosh. there when when we were hunting in january there's an early season um well, I guess it's late season. I don't know which way it goes. Um, elk season in that same area we were hunting, right? And there's oh, yeah. these two people and they're, they're elk, right? And uh, we stopped because we had all the dogs and um, we're waiting to see where they were let dogs out, right? And um, they're talking to Jason and they're talking to Brandon and um, all of a sudden Colin walks up and he's seven at the six yeah, at the time. Six. He's six at the time. And he's like, what are you looking for? And they're like, elk. And he looks and he says, oh, there's an elk truck right back there. And they just chuckle and they move on. And so I'm like, okay, Colin, let me see this elk track. We, what we are you- checked it out. <laughs> we like, trusted him. What are, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know. Because he's just so casual. He's like, well, they're right there. There's the elk. And I go look. And <laughs> sure shit, the kid was right. There was elk right there. Those people kept blown by. They couldn't even get out <laughs> their truck to go check the track. <laughs> oh, yeah. That herd had been through there within the last probably six, seven hours. I'm like, guess. should we find these people down and tell them? Nah, that's their problem. No. They didn't believe him. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's... But they learn that. Yeah, they that... learn all of that. That's stuff you can't learn 
sitting inside of a heated box blind two weeks no. out of the year. That's that's why you've got to get the kids in the woods and show them. And it's different every time of year, too. Like, you can take them out, like, in the springtime. You can show them how to shed hunt and find antlers. You can take them right. out and show them how to find morel mushrooms. You can take them out in the wintertime and show them, like, when you're hunting, how, how different the tracking conditions are. Like, oh yeah, I mean, there's just every time of year there's something different. Or when it's hot in the summertime, where's the water at? That's where the game's going to be. Like, there's just so much stuff that they can learn that will benefit them down the road that if, if you're not getting them out there more than just to go sit in a stand, like you're, you're missing out on a lot. I mean, that's a lot of good memories and experiences you should be having with your kids. And you can't teach that. Like we've all learned it, whether it was passed down, but I mean, until you see it, you can explain anything you want to your kid, but when you put them in the woods and they can see it and start like making their own connections in their Mm -hmm. brains, like for me, like the super proud moments when your kids start talking about, Oh, there's no feed in here, dad. We should go look somewhere else. Yeah, we should, buddy. You're a hundred percent right. Let's get <laughs> out of here, you know, or like, Oh, you know, they they look like they're trailing up the Creek, you know? Um, and, and it's just, it gets them involved in seeing the bits and pieces that if you're not there in the moment, you don't know. And I'd say my biggest downfall, and now it has to change, is I don't take pictures usually. <laughs> and now I've been informed that I do have to go work for Full Cry some nights. Yeah, it's only has to look the part sometimes. <laughs> but my reasoning behind that is I've always just believed I can never show you a picture that is going to fully encompass what just happened. Yeah. Or places i've woke up on these hunts where it's like you've just hunted all night and you park your truck and you wake up in the landscape and where you're at and just everything around you you can't explain that in a picture but i think that translates to these kids like a picture's worth a thousand words Mm -hmm. but a single experience is a lifetime of knowledge no yeah yeah i mean if if yeah if they don't have that i mean how can we expect them in the long term to make good make good decisions have healthy hobbies or keep right. keep the sports going. If we don't do that, how can we blame the younger generations? 30, 40 and, and years. And they're out now. there. Those kids that are on fire are out there. I, I mean, and, and granted, so they've got parents that are, are giving them those opportunities, but I'll tell you right now, there, there's a kid who is under 14 years old right now that I would take to the woods with me anytime. And he's every bit of a dog man that most grown men are. And it's because he spent every, every hunting trip from the time he was born. I mean, we, I remember my buddy packing him into trees. I remember, you know, him, he's always the one waiting for me because I'm slow. I got a bad back. So he's always <laughs> waiting for me. Not, not letting me know he's waiting for me, but like, Hey, you go ahead, doobie. I'm like, no, I'm going to wait. No, no, you go ahead. So he's like, always oh, got to like be close and it, He's just mindful of the values that we all carry. You look out for each other. You take mm. care of your dog. You you have to keep a cool head in situations. And to see that in a young man, like that is the driving force, I think, behind all of what we do. Mm. The magazine included now, like we're dealing with the, the past generation. We're dealing with our generation, our kids. And you know, we hope that we have this thing going for their kids and their kids. This is something that we're looking at as a long-term, 
Like it needs to stay in some form or another. And I've said it and I'm not trying to push people. I'm not begging for subscriptions here, but I am saying like, if it's not supported, it, it can't survive. You know, we still have a, a home and a life and a family, but if the people are there and hungry for this, we will continue to keep it going. And that's why we're focused so much on keeping the print magazine alive. Well, and I think there's something that could be said there for what it's going to look like for our kids in 30 years. I mean, when we are posting these old um, magazines on social media, what we're bombarded with is my grandpa was in that in the 70s. And I get messages. Can you find this issue from the 80s? Mm -hmm. My dad wrote for it. I mean, can I say Mr. Fielder read the one from his dad the other day and I'm like, listening i'm like is is he choked up like that is something that's gonna stick with with our children 30 40 years from now whereas social media like they're you're not going to be able to go back and see what your grandparents were doing and what your parents were doing i mean we're really writing our history for our kids Mm -hmm. the way that our grandparents have written the history for us Mm -hmm. yeah that's the only way they're going to get it is if we do it we i mean we, the older generations are getting older and they did a great job with what they did with, that's why we're here and why we're doing this and talking about this. Cause we have something to talk about and to keep going so that now it's kind of our job to step up and make sure that we do our part. So 40, 50 years from now that there's younger generations doing what we're doing right now. Yeah. Or at least, uh, like I said, there's lots of people I'm telling you that are messaging and, and writing that they don't have dogs. You know, they, they did, but they have fond memories, you know, or they have memories of writing in the magazine and, you know, there hits an age where we can't chase these things through the woods anymore. Mm-hmm. Like inevitably that is a sad, sad day. But if this can keep them involved to some degree and it can spark a new life, it's like, it's the whole circle of the houndsman life. I think mm-hmm. it's, I think it's going to become a more, I don't know if I want to say valuable tool, but I think it's going to become even more relevant now than it ever has because there's such a hunger. I, I mean, I'll give another example and I really hope this comes through. I won't name names, but if you're listening, I really hope we can make this happen. He's uh, a buddy of mine has some articles that his father wrote for full cry years ago, back in like the seventies, eighties, nineties, and has since passed and they were never submitted. Hmm. So I'm really trying to work with him about doing like a, and I guess a weird way, a father, son column, you know, you write your pieces, these pieces from your dad, because those are the things, those are the messages we love hearing, like these personal connections to a magazine when really it comes down to the people that made it. It's Hmm. just a magazine. There's thousands of them out there. Why we're drawn to it is the people that are in it. Right. and what they love and their passion that comes through. No, I agree 100%. That's that's why the last 10 years or so, a lot of the coon hunting, especially magazines, have been a lot thinner than what they used to be because it just it turned into nothing but hunt results. And I'm not and like not even stories. It was just who won what hunt. Like the, you can get which, that off any internet page. Yeah. And like I said, the results are important, but there, there's just so much to what we do that it's it's criminal not to talk about and show it <laughs> like the, right what we do is so awesome 
and there's so many great people and great dogs involved with it, we should be highlighting and showing the world what we do. Right. No, that's exactly it. It should be, you know. It'll be um it'll be interesting to see how things develop. I know this when it comes to full cry, I'll tell you I feel really like our hearts go out to the everybody that was subscribers of Cooner because that's I mean that's no more. That shut down the same time full cry did and it is not I don't believe coming back. I don't believe it was sold. And I know that that was you know, the equivalent in the Coonhound side of things to full cry. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, this is the challenge that we're facing is we're taking a, a magazine that thank God the squirrel guys kept going. I yep. mean, really, that's the only reason that magazine was still alive as long as it was, was just the squirrel and Feist and Curdog guys. Yep. But the hard part is now, We've got to take a magazine that was almost all one one dog specific, and now we're trying to branch that out and get back to the big game and the coon hounds and the barn dogs and you know any kind of tree tree dog. Right. So it's it's hard because you you know you got to pay homage and respect to those guys that kept it going, and we fully intend on showcasing all all dogs, all tree dogs, but. It, there is going to be some changes, and I'm pleasantly surprised because there is, Danny says, there's a lot of big game submissions. So the big game guys that have been out of it for years and hungry, they're going to have a lot to chew on on this first issue. <laughs> and, you know, same with Autumn Oaks and the Coon Hounds. You know, we're trying to, to bring that aspect into more. And and it's just going to be a work in progress, you know, and we, we rely just like Terry did, you know, we rely on the readership and, and the stories coming in, but man, it seems like there's a lot of passion flowing through those, those pens, you know, guys are writing and it's good stuff, man. Like honestly, sitting down and reading some of them, it's like, this is exactly what we were wanting because they can connect with anybody. I don't care if you're chasing coons. I guarantee this guy is talking about, hunting lions or bears the way that he tells a story and the story of the dogs and the process to get there it's it's going to be really good but i will say it all depends on what gets submitted like i'm not going to write 80 pages worth of material so <laughs> i had someone ask me to yesterday yesterday they're like well are you still going to have feist dog stuff i'm like if you submit good stuff i'll print it like i don't care whose it is i'm gonna i'm trying to keep it you know a third a third a third but a third to big game a third to coonhound and a third to feist and cur dogs but if you don't submit it i can't print it so right. if you want more coonhound stuff submit good stories if you want more feist stuff submit good stories if you want big game stuff well i have a lot of that but submit, keep it coming but keep that's it coming <laughs> I'm but sure. that's just it. You know, we're we're really relying on on those readers and and getting the the articles in there. So hopefully we will start seeing, you know, that start to build back up, you know, and we'll we'll see a pretty even distribution. And some issues will be heavy, like I can tell you, it, going forward like the squirrel and squirrel dog guys won't be disappointed, or at least I hope they're not. Because the quality of stuff is is coming up and and I think that it's going to be at least an enjoyable read for everybody. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm excited. <laughs> to yeah, see it. 
to when. Oh, we, we are too. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess now we're at this point, you want to tell us when the first issue is going to be available? Yeah. So the first issue is going to be coming out early October and it'll be bi-monthly. So we'll have October, November, December, January, kind of the off months for, for most magazines, but we didn't feel like we should put it off any longer. So we took the first printing slot that we could get and, you know, we want to keep the momentum behind this and, and not let people forget because I feel like we live in a world where it's instant gratification. It's instant, you know, acknowledgement. And, and it, we just forget things that happened a year ago, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not even relevant in our brain because we've been bombarded with so much constant social or, you know, information input that we really like we've struck a chord with a lot of people about like their personal ties to this magazine. So we didn't want to give it any longer for that to cool off because the fire behind it right now is awesome. And people are like really in tune with what we're trying to do. And our, you know, our socials are doing well. We encourage everybody to go follow us on Facebook at full cry mag and then Instagram, or I'm sorry, Instagram's full cry mag. Facebook is full cry magazine. And then the website itself is www.fullcrimemag.com. But we're still open. I don't know when this is going to air for you, Clayton, but we're cutting off September 1st is our last cutoff date for October issue. So if you want to get in on the first issue, make sure that you're subscribed by September 1st just to allow us time to get all of our records updated. And We've got to get this thing to print. So it's it's coming quickly. Yeah, this seems like the days are much shorter when you're trying to get everything done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll I'll make sure it's up before then. It'll, it'll probably be tomorrow or Monday. Oh, right on. Well, everybody, go subscribe. Yeah. We'd appreciate it. <laughs> Give us a year. If you don't like us after a year, we totally understand. We're not magazine editors, or like I'm the ideas guy. That's been my title for the last twenty years. But you know, we do want to hear feedback, good and bad. And I'll tell you, like, there's a degree of bad I'm going to take. We're not going to we're not going to give the time of day to somebody who's being disrespectful. But if you want to come to us with with a respectful tone and, <laughs> and at least just have a conversation, you guys out there have known the magazine longer than we have. And you guys are the readership. And that's the big thing for us. We want that input. Just just contact us, you know, email, Facebook, no. give us a call. However you want to get a hold of us, we do want to hear what you guys are thinking. And, and if we can come up with a solution and make this thing better, I mean, we're all, we're all game. We want it to be back to its glory days. I'd love to see 30,000 subscribers again. No, I got one more thing. I, I would just like to say thank you, Clayton. And thank you to all the guys out there that are involved in this hound world, especially in the media side. You know, everybody's been very supportive of this and we do like, I can't express how appreciative we are and how blessed we've been since this all happened. And it's guys like you that, that are really pumping life back into this, you know, and, and it's a big, I mean, we're trying to stand tall in the shadows. Like we're trying to bring this thing to greatness again. And, and we really appreciate all your guys' support. All right. Well, thank you for talking and doing this interview. I know that hey. know you're really busy. Anytime you have kids, time is very, <laughs> very important. And then starting a magazine at the same time is 
I'm sure it gets pretty hectic. Oh, it can, but man, it's a labor of love. And we're going to, I'm sure we'll talk again. Hopefully we'll see you at one of these hunts here pretty soon. Yeah. Looking forward to it. All right. All right. It was nice talking to you. You too, Clayton. All right. We'll see you both. See ya. Well, that was a great conversation and I really enjoyed sitting down and talking with them. I'm really excited to get my next issue of the Full Cry magazine, and I hope you are too. But just want to say thank you guys for listening out there, and I'll talk to you next time. You ended up treeing seven-tenths of a mile. I had my light on coming in, and he had another coon, so turned him loose three times, he had three coons.